Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to another episode here of the Talking Blues podcast. Very positive one that we're going to be talking about today. Besides one thing, and that's the VAR ruling, um, and I'm sure we would get in. We'll get into that eventually. But Chelsea come off a one 0 win against Liverpool. Very defining game. Puts us in the top four. Solidifies us in the top four. I must say, um, even though it's still a very tight race till the end. Besides Manchester City in first, I think we all know how that's going to end. But um, you know, for these for for these two through, I would say six spots, it's gonna be a tough race, and we'll see what happens. Um, obviously, with this loss, Liverpool will drop into seventh, or they did drop into seventh, and we have a game to preview. Everton right back here on Monday, um, and and that's another one that we have to talk about. And there's Champions League coming up, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about on today's podcast. I'm Josh, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Alex, here. Let's start out with last episode, our score predictions. My score predictions, I think this is going to be another boring one. I think you're going to see a repeat of a nil-nil draw again. That's going to be my score prediction. Um, I think, you know, Liverpool's defense obviously has not been super solid, but I think to combat that, they will be keeping a lot of men back. We're obviously going to be quite conservative against their good attackers, so I'm going to go for a nil-nil draw. Hope I'm wrong. Um, obviously, if it's a entertaining nil-nil draw, then maybe I'll be happy, but uh, hopefully we can get a better result than that, but that's my score prediction. Unfortunately, I actually have to agree with this. I do also think it will be a nil-nil draw. I think we're going to stay solid defensively, but I think... I, don't, I just don't think we're able to score goals. I don't think our, we've got the ability to score consistent score consistent goals in the final third. I don't I just don't see it happening. No no draw for me too. Just so I can change it up and not have the same thing as you guys do, I also believe in a draw. Uh I'll go one one just to kind of switch it up between you guys. I kind of just repeated what I just said twice. So whatever it is, Christian Pulisic goal, I'll, I'll guess that. I really want him to start and I really want him to score. So represent the United States, get a goal for Chelsea. You know what? That's so annoying, man. Um I freaking had Mason Mount scoring goal, I think, in the two straight matches before this one. And that just... I I thought Pulisic was going to start. I don't know. I had a feeling. By the way, I am switching up my lineup for Everton a little bit thing here. All right. Alex, your thoughts on the match. Go ahead. 
So in terms of the performance, Chelsea played well, right? But for me, you know, Mason Mount's goal was incredible. But you look at Timo Werner's goal, or you know what? I'm going to call it a goal, right? Because it wasn't offside. If he cut his fingernails that morning, maybe he would have been onside. It's just, it's ruining the game. I remember I tweeted in the middle of this game, actually, right when that happened, how VAR, it's helped the game a lot, right? You know, in terms of missing things that the ref can't see all the time. But it's these little things that if you're a fingernail off, or I've seen people say an armpit hair off, that's not offside. Even is not offside. Um, and it, it, Or even is offside now. You have to be behind the defender. So it, it's just frustrating to see the game kind of get ruined by that. And it was just, it, it was very upsetting. Um, you know, I, I got so upset after that, I turned the game off for like five minutes. I just like threw the remote on the ground. Um, and then I turned it back on, so it was fine. But yeah, just really frustrating. Um, I, I don't understand, you know, when it's that close, you know, they always say even goes to the attacker, right? That's always everything you you hear, right? When I played soccer, when I was a bit younger, you know, I know, you know, Peter still plays soccer. They say even is, if you're even with the defender, you're onside, right? But, you know, Timo Werner is clearly even with Robertson there. And you can see maybe there's a finger or maybe like a little bit of his like arm is sticking forward and he's now offside. And it just, you know, a normal ref, a normal linesman's not going to call that offside, right? They see it's pretty much even. It's it's onside. And and that's the problem. You get they get their measuring tape up on the screen. They they put the arms and the 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 stick to try to measure exactly and you can see Timo Werner's like little finger is like just offside and it's like, "Oh, that doesn't count anymore." Really frustrating what VAR is doing to the game. Um like that I mean, otherwise, the performance-wise, we played very well. Christensen, I thought, was very good in the defense today um, or yesterday when we were recording this. It, it was just – it was a good performance. Mason Mount with a wonderful goal. Um, him doing some – a few, a couple different interesting celebrations, one that we've seen before, a new one that he talked about that Kurt Zuma had showed him or he was watching anime on the plane uh, when they were going to Liverpool or something. And that he did a celebration about that. So that was kind of funny. Um, but overall, good performance. And Liverpool really never looked like they were going to be able to win. Um, and we looked like we were going to win the entire game. Um, and it really should have been 2-0. But, you know, that's besides the point. Yeah, you can never go wrong with the Frankenstein. That is very true, Alex. I, I do have to admit the Frankenstein is my go-to move after I score a goal as Alex and Peter know. I do not do it as well as Mason Mount, though. Peter, what's your thoughts on the match? Well, okay, I could I could just go and say VAR sucks and everything and go into basically a rant like Alex just did. I could do the exact same thing, but I don't want that to be like the main takeaway from the game because I I, I would say that it would be the main takeaway of the game if it ended nil nil or it ended one one when they got a goal and we didn't win or we didn't get we didn't get we lost out in two or more points because of it, but we still won. And I mean, so I'm not really going to go into detail about it. Alex basically explained it as well as you need to. You don't really need to know anything else. It's just, it's inconsistent. You need to, you just need to, it needs to change at the end of the season. But whatever. I'll talk about the game itself and not the refereeing and the VAR. The game itself, I mean, like Alex said, we basically didn't look like we were going to lose at all. We played very well. Liverpool did have a couple of chances. I think the biggest one was Sadio Mane just completely missed the ball. He was he was pretty much three on goal. 
But I mean, besides that, they didn't really do anything. We easily could have. It should have been two 0 We could have had three. Uh, it could have been three 0 if uh, I think it was uh, Andy Robertson didn't clear one off the line. I mean, we just played really well. We looked very fluid. I think there was one play uh, towards the end where we started the ball on the right side with SP. We played out to Reese James into Conte. We played one touch passing for like eight touch eight, eight straight passes, and then got it all the way up the pitch. And that was that just shows like as we get more used to the shape and the passing connections, the triangles that open up, you're just going to see how fluid it can be. It looked so good. It, it, we literally went from Aspier Christians and whoever had the ball at the back right corner all the way up to, I think, a chill cross in, in a matter of like 10 seconds through the passing. And that was great to see because that's that if we, if we can do that against a team, sure, it's Liverpool who doesn't have many defenders, but they're still, it's not like they're like, a West Brom or or a Newcastle where you expect that you to you to be able to play against them because they're towards the bottom of the table. It's against a top tier side with great players, and we just completely just passed around them on that. And I mean, for the whole game, we basically just dominated them. I mean, Timo Werner looked really good. Uh, I mean, he should have had a goal. He had made really really good runs. Was unlucky not to score at all. Uh, had, had he made a great run towards the end, got saved by Allison. I mean, he just played well. He deserved a goal. But I mean, you can see you're starting to see, I think, in the past few games since Tuchel's come in and Timo Werner's got more adjusted to what Tuchel wants from him. Because I feel like that was a problem with Frank, where Frank just was kind of like, okay, he's an expensive striker who's good. Just let him do whatever he wants. But I think Tuchel is actually telling him tactically, make these runs, get into these positions, and you'll score. And I mean, you're seeing that he's getting in, he's making these great runs into these great positions and he's getting these chances and then it'll come. If he keeps doing it, it'll come. But uh, also Mason Mount, very, really good again. Uh, I mean, I don't really need to say anything. He was my man of the match. He deserved it, played extremely well. But I do want to give a shout out to Christensen, who again, played extremely well, which Thiago Silva obviously came back in training, I think the day before the game or two days before the game or day of the game. Something like that. So now it's our, our back three has been playing extremely well, obviously. So now the question is, who do we drop? And I mean, I think that's something that we might do in our lineups, but I will, so I won't say anything now. But our entire back three has been playing really well. They played really well again. Conte was incredible again. Virginio kind of did what he was supposed to do. He didn't give away possession. He gave away possession a couple of times, but he kept the ball moving. He didn't do any like extremely, extremely good passes. In fact, there was Conte who ended up playing the great ball to Mason Mount. Uh, ben Chilwell looks better than he did towards the end of when Frank was coming out. He looks more, he looks more dangerous. He still doesn't look great, but he looks better than he was. Reese James didn't really do anything too special. He just kind of played well. I mean, but everybody worked hard. Everybody played well and we basically dominated you could say that we dominated the Liverpool side who is very very good yeah they are very very good and I mean my man of the match Alex you have Mason Mount I, I know that's happening I feel like that's already a known right yeah I, I've Mount as my man of the match but Christensen for sure might have deserved it as well he had a really good game uh you know a lot almost everyone on the pitch put in a shift right I didn't think anyone you know, did bad necessarily. It was more of a team effort. I don't think, I feel like the man of the match for this game was kind of like a little bit redundant considering how, you know, pretty much everyone on the pitch 
played a big role in the win. Um, yeah, but Mason Mount, if we have to pick a standout, fantastic goal. Um, and, you know, he did some good defensive work as well. So, you know, that's what I really admire about him. Um, you know, he's he's obviously an attacking-minded player, but he's not afraid and he's not la- he's not uh, too lazy to come back and defend. Um, and I thought he was very good on the day. And I think he's just such a talented player, future captain for Chelsea. And, you know, one thing I will say, maybe Frank Lampard diminished his legacy a little bit by leaving, but him putting Mason Mount in this position where he is set up to succeed, which Frank Lampard, you know, gets the credit for this, right? He is the one who, you know, started Mason Mount game after game, even though people were making fun of him, uh, you know, people were laughing. But now you look at Mason Mount and it's just, it's going to be something good. If Mason Mount turns out to be one of a Chelsea, you know, one of the Chelsea, Chelsea greats in the future, Frank Lampard's going to have a lot to do with that. So maybe his legacy is not as tarnished as we once believed. And I think when Olivier Giroud's not on the pitch, Mason Mount's the best player, hands down, for Chelsea when 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 they're on the field. Um, in the starting eleven, if there's no Olivier Giroud, I would definitely say Mason Mount's the best, you know, attacking all around player. To, I mean, to be honest, maybe maybe Thiago Silva's a debate for that, but he's not in right now, so not really a question. Christensen's my man of the match. I actually was gonna go to that, Alex. Um, yeah, he's my man of the match. So that's that's who I have there. That'll do it for our Chelsea recap against Liverpool. Once again, very exciting. Um, and obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll still talk about the Premier League in a second. But, you know, what I like to do here weekly is talk about the other two Chelsea teams that are available to us uh, to talk about. So why we might as well talk about them, the Chelsea Women and the Chelsea Academy. Um, and basically, I'll start out with the Chelsea Women. And so for the, for the Chelsea Women, let's see. I have a 2-0... Win the Chelsea women beat Atletico Madrid in the UEFA Champions League game. Uh, so that was a 2 0 win for them. They're going to be facing the Chelsea, or the Chelsea women are going to be facing the West Ham women upcoming. I believe it's March 7th, which is Sunday. So that's going to be happening there. And then the Chelsea Academy is going to be uh, playing as well. They just played against Leicester City and they, it was a draw 1 1. It was very close. Um, I watched till the end there, actually, of that game. That was actually a fun game to watch. And then I think it's also March 7th, uh, Chelsea, Premier League 2 squad, which is Brighton, Premier League 2 squad. Um, and they are fifth place in the League 1 table right now. And they're actually a point behind the West Ham um, PL2 squad for fourth. Um, so good things to to come for all the Chelsea squad. Obviously, the Chelsea woman, when it comes to the their Super League um they're way ahead, so they're not losing that anytime soon. So that's good, uh, and then hopefully they can keep that lead. So I guess we'll go on to Everton now. Uh, the Everton match is going to be on Monday. That's 1 p.m. for us here in EST, and then 6 p.m. for all the people watching uh, in the U.K. I'm going to go straight to my lineup. I think that's the perfect time to, to do it. Uh, I mean, besides, actually, never mind. One more thing is that Chelsea versus Everton – this is one of the other matches that we have coming up right now that's going to decide a really big part of the placing and where teams are um, in the top four. Obviously, Everton now, because of our win, are only one spot behind us. Uh, 47 points we have, 46 points Everton has, and then coming behind them is West Ham with 45. So it's all very close, uh, and this could definitely decide a few things. Chelsea in their last five. One win or three wins and two draws, and then Everton three wins, and the last two games have been losses. So hopefully we can capitalize on that because then their third loss in a row, and that'll be that. My first player 
Is Mendy in net? Obviously, we know what that's, you know, entailing. Maybe Kepa actually makes a start, but I don't think so. Center backs, I'm not changing anything there. I have Rudiger, Christensen, and Asby as my starting three center backs. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think, I mean, obviously, you see, you read that Thiago Silva is fit, 100% fit back into training. But, I mean... Why risk him, right? We're play our back three's playing so well that I mean, there's no really reason to change it up and put Thiago Silva back in. Obviously, it benefit, it help. We probably defend better because he is so talented. But I mean, if he's not fully, fully a hundred percent fit, no risk of re-injury. Why put him in when Christensen, Rudiger, Aspie have been playing so well? Getting so many clean sheets been basically shutting down teams like Liverpool, who have this a great, great attacking front three. So I think Christensen, Rudiger, Aspie will stay there. Then obviously Mendy will be in that. I don't think we'll see a Kepa game until we play in the cup next. So for me, I'm going to have Mendy in net as well. Um, my back three is going to be the exact same. I don't think Silva's going to come back in quite yet. I think you'll probably see him in the game after, um, maybe against Madrid in the Champions League. Um, but yeah, for my back three, same as last time, Rudiger, Christensen, Aspie. And so for my... Um, for my wing backs here, I have a little bit of a, a weird one. So if you're looking at Everton's lineup, last game they played against West Brom, if you look at their two fullbacks, one obviously on their left-hand side is Luca Digne, um, and he obviously is one of the better left-backs in the league. He's a natural left-back, right? On their right-hand side, they've been playing with Mason Holgate um, at their right-back position, who is a natural center-back. So I think he, you know, when you watch Everton games, doesn't push up a lot. Um, so I think you're going to see Reese James on the right-hand side, you know, as a natural fullback there to, you know, counter Digne. But I think on the left-hand side, you're going to have Callum Hudson-Odoi as the left wing back. Um, I know this is definitely a little bit weird, but I think you're against a natural center back who won't be pushing up too much. Hudson-Odoi won't have to track back to cover him as much. Um, and I think it's it's a nice spot for him either uh, – I think on that left-hand side, and I think he can definitely get more involved. Obviously, the more obvious choice is Chilwell, but I'm just going to go with a curveball here. I'm going to go Callum Hudson and Dwight left wing back. And the center midfield, I'm going to go Conte and Kovacic. Um, and I think, you know, Jorginho is just not the best fit. They have Decore in the midfield, who's really physical. And obviously, Jorginho is really not known for his physicality. So I'm going to go uh, Kovacic and Conte in the center of midfield. I do like that pick, honestly. I do think that's interesting having Hudson Odoi out there, but I don't, I don't see it happening. <laughs> I like the pick, but that doesn't mean I think it's going to happen. So I won't, I, I won't have him there. I do agree that Reese James will be out there on the right. I think we're kind of seeing what Tuchel, what, what the decisions Tuchel makes to decide his his wing back roles, and I think. Similarly to what he did today, where he there's Andy Robertson and Trent Alexander Arnold pushing up. Obviously, it was uh, Andy Robertson, but now it's going to be Luca Digne, who arguably pushes up even forward. He's he usually plays as like a left winger who runs all the way back on defense. But I think Reese James will be in there to basically man mark him. But I think I think Marcus Alonso. I mean, basically for the same reason you said why you'd have Hudson Adore there. I think it's going to be Marcus Alonso will come back into the side. Hasn't played for a while because Chilwell was obviously in there for pace. I think that's what Google said. But I think Alonso will come back in there, left wing back. Reese James, right wing back in the midfield. I think it has to be Conte and Kovacic. Conte has been playing so well. He's been winning so many balls back. Obviously, had a great assist to Mason Mount. 
I don't think you can really take him out. And I think same thing with Mateo Kovacic. She's been playing so well that I don't think you can really decide to just bench him for Jorginho, who's really hasn't done anything to say that he deserves a spot over Kovacic. Yeah, I have I have it switched up here in the like from last game in the midfield and then obviously in the attacking three. Chilwa at my left wing back spot, Conte and Kovacic at the defensive midfield spots, Reese James at the right wing back spot. I don't think that will happen. <laughs> but for some reason I, I think maybe CHO will get some rest. So that's why I have him there. Left mid, Mason Mount, right mid, Hakim Ziyech, uh, I think I think he should start there again. And then I have Olivier Giroud starting at striker um, instead of Werner. And then Werner gets to start uh, next weekend against Leeds. Um, I'll already like preview that, that I'm going to have it for next weekend's game. I'll have Werner starting at striker. Yeah, so for me, my left forward, it's going to be Mason Mount. He's definitely going to be starting. Um, or actually, I think I'll have him at the right forward position. Left forward, I'm going to have Timo Werner and Olivier Giroud will start up front. You could see Christian Pulisic or Kai Havertz sneak in there as well. Um, maybe in one of those like left, right, forward roles. I wouldn't be surprised about that either, but that's my uh, that's my front three there. I think we're going to see definitely Mason Mount, obviously, but I think he'll play left wing because I think based on what we saw, you can see how good he is at cutting in on his right foot. So I think we'll want to see more of that. I think he'll play the left wing, left forward role. I think on the other side, it's really... You have no idea. It could be Hakim Ziyech. It could be Christian Pulisic. It could be uh, Kai Havertz. But for me, I honestly think a bit of a surprise. We haven't really seen them play there much. But I think Callum hudson Adoy could be a shout to play at right wing, right forward. Obviously, he hasn't played in a few games. But I think Tugel really likes him and understands his talent. So I think I think he'll definitely play there at some point. I think he'll either come on as a halftime substitute or he'll start the game. But uh, if it's not, I think Hudson Adoy will start at right wing. But if not, I I think it's most likely going to be Kai Havertz there. But I'm going to have Hudson Adoy. I'm also going to change it up a little bit, even though it's not as big. And at striker, I think you have to ride Timo Werner there, especially after a good of a game as he had. I think Shiru probably might be is probably a better pick for this game. But I think you need you need to keep Timo Werner in there to keep building his confidence to, especially in the back of a really good game. I think. He starts there, and if he scores a goal, he's basically going to be flying as high as possible. And I guess I'll go to my score prediction, too. I think it's going to be a Timo Werner goal. I'm going to go with a Mason Mount goal, and I think we'll keep a clean sheet. So I think a 2 0 win for Chelsea. Uh, not so. I, I, well, I'll go 1 0. <laughs> I was struggling a little bit there. I'll go 1 0, and then. Olivier Giroud goal, because I have him starting. It'll probably not be his start, but I think it will. So Olivier Giroud goal, 1-0 win for Chelsea. I'm going to go 2-0 win for Chelsea. I'm going to go with the Timo Werner goal, and I'm going to go with a Mateo Kovacic goal. Watch that one happen. I don't know why. Just feeling it. Um, Yeah, but that's my score prediction um, for Monday's match against Everton. All right, so there you go. Look forward to Monday's match against Everton as much as we will, and hopefully we get even further in the top. Well, we can't right now, but hopefully as the season goes on, we go further and further in the top uh, in the top four and maybe get to the second spot. That's really what I want because we're not going to be able to pass Man City anytime soon this season. They kind of already won the league, but it is what it is. Congrats, Man City. Um, here, this is your congratulations episode. I'll give it to you right now. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe. Drop a five-star rating and review an Apple podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Talking Blues Pod. Next week, our episode will be probably um, 
we'll just have one episode next week, uh, obviously previewing the game against Leeds United next Saturday. So that'll be exciting. Obviously, we'll recap this game against Everton as well. So keep listening. Um, and we would really appreciate it if you gave us the rating interview. That actually really helps us out. Share with friends and family, and then share on your social medias. Tag us at Talking Blues Pod if you do so. And we will see you again for another Talking Blues episode next week. Recap and preview. We will see you next time. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.